0: You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. We hear God's word this afternoon in the Old Testament from Exodus 40 and Leviticus 1 and 19, and in the New Testament from Galatians chapter 5. We begin reading at Exodus chapter 40, verse 34, and read to the beginning of Leviticus. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the house of Israel during all their travels. The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of Of meeting. We continue reading at chapter 19 of Leviticus. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Each of you must respect his mother and father, and you must observe my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make gods of cast metal for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. When you sacrifice a fellowship offering to the Lord, sacrifice it in such a way that it will be accepted on your behalf. It shall be eaten on the day you sacrifice it or on the next day. Anything left over until the third day must be burned up. If any of it is eaten on the third day, it is impure and will not be accepted. Whoever eats it will be held responsible because he has desecrated what is holy to the Lord. That person must be cut off from his people. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another, do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. Do not defraud your neighbor or rob him, do not hold back the wages of a hired man overnight, do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so you will not share in his guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Keep my decrees. Do not mate different kinds of animals. Do not plant your seed with two kinds of seed. Do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of material. If a man sleeps with a woman who is a slave girl promised to another man, but who has not been ransomed or given her freedom... There must be due punishment, yet they are not to be put to death, because she has not been freed. The man, however, must bring a ram to the entrance of the tent of meeting for a guilt offering to the Lord. With the ram of the guilt offering, the priest is to make atonement for him before the Lord for the sin he has committed, and his sin will be forgiven. When you enter the land and plant any kind of fruit tree, regard its fruit as forbidden. For three years you are to consider it forbidden. It must not be eaten. In the fourth year all its fruit will be holy, an offering of praise to the Lord. But in the fifth year you may eat its fruit. In this way your harvest will be increased. I am the Lord your God. Do not eat any meat with the blood still in it. Do not practice divination or sorcery. Do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Do not degrade your daughter by making her a prostitute, or the land will turn to prostitution and be filled with wickedness. Observe my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Rise in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. When an alien lives with you and your land, do not mistreat him. The alien living with you must be treated as one of your native born. Love him as yourself, for you were aliens in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight, or quantity. Use honest skills and honest weights an honest epha and an honest hymn. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, keep all my decrees and all my laws and follow them. I am the Lord. And finally we turn to Paul's letter to the Galatians chapter 5. We will read verses 16 through 26. Zafnunia's congregation have come to Lord's Days 36 and 37 of the Heidelberg Catechism. These two Lord's Days deal with the Third Commandment, which reads as follows in Exodus 20, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Here in Lord's Day 36, we confess what is required in the Third Commandment. We are not to blaspheme or to abuse the name of God by cursing, perjury, or unnecessary oaths, nor to share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. Rather, we must use the holy name of God only with fear and reverence, so that we may rightly confess him, call upon him, and praise him in all our words and works. Is the blaspheming of God's name by swearing and cursing such a grievous sin that God is angry also with those who do not prevent and forbid it as much as they can? Certainly. For no sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than the blaspheming of His name. That is why He commanded it to be punished with death. But may we swear an oath by the name of God in a godly manner? Yes, when the government demands it of its subjects, or when necessity requires it in order to maintain and promote fidelity and truth to God's glory and for our neighbor's good. Such oath-taking is based on God's word and was therefore rightly used by the saints in the Old and the New Testament. May we also swear by saints or other creatures? No. A lawful oath is a calling upon God who alone knows the heart to bear witness to the truth and to punish me if I swear falsely. No creature is worthy of such honor. Brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, what usually comes to mind when we ponder the third commandment? You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. What usually comes to mind when we consider that commandment? Well, the most obvious matter that comes to mind is the sin of blasphemy, the sin of using God's name to express profanity. Or as we reflect on this commandment, perhaps the sin of uttering God's name in a a casual and empty way comes to mind, failing to show the great respect and reverence which God's most holy name is worthy of. There is no doubt that these are precisely the kinds of transgressions which the third commandment forbids. Lord's Days 36 and 37 make that clear to us. And the Catechism shows here how serious the sin of abusing the name of God is. In fact, we just read in the Catechism, in question and answer 100, that no sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than the blaspheming of His name. Therefore, the only fitting punishment for this sin, according to God's command, is death. What we hope to see this afternoon, however, is that the third commandment is not just about isolated actions and individual sins like cursing and profanity and swearing false oaths. Our whole way of life is the subject of this commandment. Notice that we confess in answer 99 that in this commandment, God requires us to use His holy name only with fear and reverence. And then it says there in answer 99, so that we might rightly confess Him, call upon Him, and praise Him in all our words and works. This is what we hope to see this afternoon from the Scriptures. How the holy God calls His people to be holy with their entire life. To use the language of the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5, our holy God calls us to live by the Spirit. Leviticus, part of which we read, is the third of what we commonly call the five books of Moses, the third book of the Pentateuch, and we're going to give a fair bit of attention to that book this afternoon. Leviticus is what we might call the holiness book of the Pentateuch. The central message of Leviticus is that God is holy and that he requires his people To be holy, as He is holy. That theme is most explicitly stated at the beginning of Leviticus 19, which we read, where God says to His people through Moses, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. The holiness theme comes into bold relief when we consider when and where God spoke these words to Moses and the people of Israel. Consider how Leviticus begins. Leviticus begins where Exodus left off, literally. That is, at the foot of Mount Sinai. Remember, that's where God's people had seen firsthand the holiness and the glory of their God. You remember how the people of Israel reacted when the Lord appeared to them on Mount Sinai? Once they had seen His glory and splendor and holiness in thunder and lightning and blazing fire and billowing smoke, they were terrified. We're told in Hebrews 12 that even Moses said, I tremble with fear. At the end of Moses' second book, Exodus, We're told how the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle that had just been built. The splendor of God's glory was such that Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting. The end of Exodus, the second book, flows into the beginning of Leviticus, the third book of Moses. The Lord speaks to Moses from the tent of meeting. The Lord speaks to Moses in His holiness. There's no question about it. The words of the Lord in Leviticus are the words of the holy God. Now if we are honest, we often think about the book of Leviticus as one of the most tedious to read. With all its detailed ceremonial laws, about precisely what to sacrifice and precisely how and when. And exactly how to do things in what year and so on. Leviticus is the book that goes into great deal, into a great deal of detail about the priesthood of Aaron and how ceremonial cleanness is attained and so on. But this book really comes to life for us when we understand that the Holy God is speaking here. The Holy God is speaking here to His holy people. You see, that was the purpose for all the detailed laws that God gave to His people. To guard their holiness. If He was to be their God and they were to be His people, then they needed to be holy like He, the Lord their God, was holy. This is the heart of the message of Leviticus. Now the heart of Leviticus is also the heart of the third commandment. God says there in the third commandment, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. God's holiness is at stake here. Positively stated, God says, You shall sanctify My name. You shall hallow My name. You shall make My name holy. How? With your whole life. Show that I, the Lord your God, am holy by being holy in all your words and works. Now, what is it to be holy? Well, to be holy means to be consecrated for God or or to be set apart for God, to be separate for God. It means that you have a circle put around you by God. That's exactly what God was doing in Leviticus. God was placing a circle around His people and that, that circle surrounded their entire lives. And that's exactly what the Lord does in the third commandment too. He places a circle around our lives. He says to us, His covenant people, look, I am the Lord your God who has rescued you and redeemed you and claimed you. And I am holy and since I have brought you into the circle of my holiness, you too must be holy. Well, something briefly about the structure of Leviticus for us to see this better. The book of Leviticus isn't like a tidy textbook style essay with the theme clearly stated in the introduction, followed by the main body and closing with a conclusion. God the Holy Spirit is infinitely creative. And in the book of Leviticus, we find the theme, we find the heart of the book in the chapters 17 through 22. In the middle of the book. Part of which we read. and When we examine this section of Leviticus, we discover an intimate connection with the third commandment bring this out, we could divide the the third commandment into two parts. The first part is, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And in the second part of the third commandment, the Lord warns that anyone who does misuse his name shall not be left unpunished. So you have the commandment concerning the holiness of God's name and an accompanying threat for those who misuse God's holy name. Now, when you read through Leviticus 17 through 22, it becomes plain that the Lord wants to draw the attention of his people to these two things. It's what he also wants to draw our attention to. The holiness of his name, which permits no abuse, and The punishment that awaits those who abuse it. In these chapters, in these six chapters, Leviticus 17 through 22, these two elements are repeated like a refrain throughout. Let's look at chapter 18, the verses 1 through 6 for an example. Notice how in this short section, at the beginning of chapter 18, God reminds His people four times about His name. In the space of six verses. He says four times, I am the Lord. Listen to what it says there. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. First incident. You must not do as they do in Egypt when you, where you used to live. And you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Second time. Keep my decrees and laws, for the man who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. Third time. No one is to approach any close relative to have sexual relations. I am the Lord fourth time. You find that refrain repeated throughout these chapters, I am the Lord your God. You heard that refrain in Leviticus 19 too. And we also hear a refrain of the corresponding threat throughout this section, just like in the third commandment, that anyone who does not listen to the Lord and obey all the ordinances and, and laws that he's giving shall be cut off from His people. 32 times in this section, the Lord reminds His people about His holy name. And 12 times we hear the threat that those who blaspheme God's name will be cut off. And these phrases are found throughout the book of Leviticus. But they're concentrated here, in and around chapter 19, at the heart of the book. Okay, now what does this demonstrate to us? Well, it demonstrates that the third commandment is a matter of our entire life, all our conduct. Notice that in this section, the Lord provides a whole array of commandments and instructions covering all of life. We see that in Leviticus 19. Look at verse 3. Each of you must respect his mother and father. You must obey my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. There you have the fourth and the fifth commandments. Look at verse 4. Do not turn to idols or make gods of cast metal for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. And we could go on. In Leviticus 19, every one Of the Ten Commandments are touched upon. The Lord addresses the matters of sexual relations in this section, and wages, respect for the elderly, the treatment of strangers, and even farming practices in the verses 23 through 35. What was the Lord telling his people? And what's he telling us? Well, he is saying that in everything that our hands and minds find to do, we are either obeying the third commandment or we are transgressing it. The Lord is saying that with, with our every word, the way we talk, with each thought, our attitudes, And all our deeds, our practices, and habits, and so on. We are either glorifying His holy name, or we're blaspheming it. That's what Paul is getting at when he says in Colossians 3, verse 17, verse which you no doubt are familiar with, "...and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus..." giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. There's no word we utter, deed we do, thought we think. That is just neutral. We are either acting or speaking or thinking in the name of the Lord Jesus, or we are acting and speaking or thinking against the name of the Lord Jesus. And brothers and sisters, we need to recognize the seriousness of this reality. For consider the threat that God lays upon those who abuse His name. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless. The Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes His name in vain. Like I said earlier, 12 times in this section of Leviticus, the Lord threatens to cut off those who blaspheme His name. At the end of Leviticus 18, for example, after listing a whole list of sexual sins which degrade God's holy name, the Lord says, everyone who does any of these detestable things, such persons must be cut off from God their people Lord uh, Leviticus 20 indicates this too God takes sin seriously he threatens death for those who harden themselves in sin and unholiness That's what happens when we sin against God That's what happens when we live unholy lives God cuts us off. He punishes us with death. He cannot leave sin and unholiness unpunished. Because when we sin, when we live in unholiness, we are degrading and defiling God's holy name. And then we deserve death. We also see this in Galatians 5. What does Paul say in Galatians 5 about those who do not live by the Spirit? What does he say about those who gratify the sinful nature and its lusts? He says in Galatians 5 verse 21, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. From the Old Testament to the New, God has not changed. He is the same holy God. And those who live in unholiness apart from the Holy Spirit, they are cut off from the kingdom of God. Those who do not live holy lives by the Spirit are placed outside the holiness circle. Outside the circle of God's holiness. They are condemned. And that's terrible news for us. It's terrible news for all of us, in fact. For we must all admit our guilt when it comes to the third commandment. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God could leave none of us Unpunished. Yes, brothers and sisters, as scripture says, at one time we were alienated from God. We were cut off from Him, separated. We were outside of that holiness circle because of our evil behavior. That's what Paul says in Colossians 1 verse 21. At one time, you were alienated from God. You were cut off from Him because of your evil behavior. We were hopeless transgressors of the third commandment. Not just because we used God's name in the wrong way from time to time. We are transgressors of the third commandment because in our very nature, we were blasphemers of God we were living just like those who gratify the sinful nature because of our lives which are so full of sin and our beings which were so full of depravity and wickedness God's name was profaned we deserve to be punished with death At one time, that's how it was. But in Christ Jesus, we who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ, as Paul says in Ephesians 2. Christ was cut off from God. Christ was placed outside of the holiness Circle because of our transgression against the third commandment. Christ was declared guilty. He was punished in our place. God commanded sin against the third commandment to be punished with death. The good news is, brothers and sisters, that Christ died that death for us so that we might no longer die the death we deserve because of our sins. Brothers and sisters, do you see the love of God for you? You and I deserved death, but God gave Christ to die for us. You and I were separated from God alienated. You and I were cut off. We were excommunicated from God. But then what did God do? It says in Colossians 1, He reconciled us to Himself through Christ's death to present us holy in His sight. Holy! Holy! To present us without blemish free from accusation. He did that, brothers and sisters, so that you could be guiltless, so that you could be left unpunished, so that it is now as if you had never sinned against the third commandment. Use the words of Paul in Galatians five Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. God calls us too to be holy as He is holy. He enables us to be holy. How? By giving us His Spirit. And he promises that when we live by the Spirit, we will be holy. Yes, when we live by the Spirit, we will no longer gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Rather, we'll bear the fruit of the Spirit. Holy fruit. Glorious fruit. Abundant fruit. The fruit of Christ's work for us. For when we live by the Spirit, then it is no longer we who live, but Christ lives in us. Since Christ has promised us His Spirit, He also calls us to be holy. Notice what Paul says in Galatians 5 as we read, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. God is holy and He calls us too to be holy like Him, to keep in step with Him. And the Spirit He gives shows us how. The Spirit shows us how to walk in God's ways. He gives us God's Word, God's commands. He reveals to us our holy God and shows us how to be like Him in everything. He gives us marching orders, we could say, so that we can keep in step with the Spirit. Yes, brothers and sisters, as those who belong to Christ, we need to march to the beat of a different drummer. We don't walk as the world walks. We keep in lockstep with the Holy Spirit. We need to be holy as our God is holy. Brothers and sisters, in everything you do, remember what God has said to you and keeps saying to you, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God who has redeemed you. When you're tempted by sin, when you're lured on by Satan and your sinful flesh, to gratify your old nature, heed the warning of the Lord that you will be cut off if you continue living an unholy night- life. Remember the holy God who appeared to his people when they, when they were standing at the foot of Mount Sinai. And remember that the only way you can be holy is if you come Not to the foot of Mount Sinai, but to the foot of the cross. To Christ, who is holy. To Christ, who makes you holy. To Christ, who promises you his spirit. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web